Welcome to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere with your host, Chris Parker. And welcome back to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere. This is Chris Parker, and I have a guest, Mervyn George, coming in from South Africa. And Mervyn and I are part of multiple global communities, OpenEXO and Purpose Alliance, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And Mervyn is an executive advisor in the area of, of innovation, um, and there's also some sustainability work in his portfolio. Um, and he's working with SAP in a very broad sense and, and maybe in, in a different way than most people would normally expect someone from SAP to be working. And that's what really triggered me uh, to reach out to Mervyn after seeing him on a, a LinkedIn Live session with OpenEXO. And I'll put a link to that recording in the show notes as well. And that's when I when I was first triggered to say, hey, Mervyn's in my network and I need to meet this guy. So Mervyn, welcome to the conversation. And if you would please, good sir, can you just share people with, uh, you know, what is it that you do, Mervyn, and why do you do what you do? Sure. Chris, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, and thanks for the opportunity to, to talk a little bit about what keeps me busy. Uh, the first thing I'd say is no two weeks are the same. Uh, right now, there are several hackathons that are running or being planned that I'm part of. Uh, so uh, we like to get involved with the various types of challenges that look at creative ways to solve problems. That's the first thing. So what do I do? I have a job with SAP. And then what you'll find if you speak to people who work for the tech firm SAP is that they usually have more than one role that they fulfill. Uh, the normal role is meeting with uh, decision makers and senior leaders of large enterprises to help them understand what the future of the industry sectors look like, uh, what digital modernization could look like for them, and also to help them understand how to get to a slightly more progressed uh, sense of maturity in that, in that regard. Uh, but because it's uh, such a mammoth beast of an organization, there is an area of entrepreneurship that I'm involved with. So I I serve as a venture partner, which means keeping an ear close to the ground, telling people about, you know, in a, uh, in entrepreneurship or startup masterclasses that are taking place, finding people that have cool ideas that might actually make it into commercial products. And then on behalf of Africa, I serve as a uh, project lead or program lead for the social impact program that we have. So it's a similar thing, try to find people within the organization or customers that are looking to create new solutions, new companies, but under the banner of SAP. Uh, th that's what I do there. So it's a, it's a broad mix of new ventures, um, executive advisory, uh, looking at go-to-market strategies, uh, looking at which challenges there are in certain industry sectors and trying to find uh, new ways to tackle some of those. So this is not a typical SAP portfolio, I think, ha having worked near and, and implemented SAP. So how did you arrange such a glorious <laughs> act, you know, set of activities that you call work? So I, I, I fall within a, an innovation office within Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Uh, we've got different regional breakdowns there. And uh, this, this team is within that innovation office, we've got an innovation team that's looking at changing the question that we ask people and customers and companies, and also looking at uh, finding a new audience with a different message that we can talk to. Uh, so we're always questioning the status quo. 
Um, how did I get there? I, I've got a long career in working for tech firms. I've worked as a consultant. I've worked as a sales uh, representative. I've worked in business development multiple times. I've worked in regional and executive leadership roles. Uh, I, prior to this role at SAP, because I've been there for about three years now, three and a half years, and prior to this, I worked as a, a pre-sales business architect focused on certain industry sectors. Um, but I've also had multiple roles working for smaller companies. So startup, bootstrap startup, a couple of tech firms that needed to grow uh, their presence in, let's call it the middle zone of the world within Europe and Middle East and Africa. Um, and I, I'm still involved with startups. So I guess the, the passion for dealing with new ventures comes from outside and I've managed to find an avenue within the company that supports that in a very nice, mm. uh, well-packaged manner. Nice. And and where does that passion for new venture comes from uh, for you as a person? Like, what, what? I, I think it's, I, I like to think that I always had two sides to my business card. So there was the techie side and then there was the creative side. So um, I do have a former I'd like to call it a, a somewhat of a career, but I've, I've got a history of being an artist. Uh, I used to paint abstract artwork and sell it. Uh, when I lived in Johannesburg, there were uh, two galleries and one furniture store and also online sales that I was into. And I think it's the creative side that always got me thinking, what next? You know, what's the question? What am I trying to answer? And when my serious career, which is all the tech stuff, got me to travel loads and, and I've spent many years working long-term projects in different parts of the world, I um, had to shift from painting to something else. And initially it started off as poetry and then it started, uh, then it evolved into anecdotes around my history and my travels and, and um, stages in life. And then it evolved to eBooks. And now I think it, it, it sort of manifests in interviews and discussions and conference talks and so on. So there's that aspect of me that's always looking at, you know, what's the new story? What is this um, new challenge that can be proposed? Who are the people that have cool stories to tell? And that has sort of attracted me into the startup ecosystem, both internally and outside, to talk to founders, to talk to investors, to uh, try and link them up uh, where mm. the need arises as well. It, I, I'm just enjoying listening to your portfolio. And, and, what you know, I've had quite a few people on for conversations from the OpenEXO and Purpose Alliance worlds. Mm. And it seems like all of us have a bit of shiny object syndrome, meaning there's there's so much going on and, and they're really portfolio thinkers. So I'm I'm really un, you know feeling um, more about who you are. So it's a, uh, um, with eBooks and things, have you have you published? Um, like, is there things out there in the wild that, that people can find uh, the musings of yeah. Mervyn George? Yeah, they can. They can. They are um, obviously on LinkedIn. There are articles that I put out there. Um, actually, part of the the day job right now is uh, is getting content out. So there are videos as well as uh, articles that get sent through formal publications uh, with uh, with the press and so on. Um, but yeah, I've got a a track record of a few eBooks. So some of them are are more technical, looking at you know um, CRM and and customer experience topics because I had a, a specialization in that domain for quite a while. Uh, but the ones I really enjoyed writing about are more centered around reflecting. And, and one of the one of the ebooks that are, that most people would be familiar with is called When Can I Buy the Porsche? And the uh, the idea with that is as you go through life, 
these things that you sort of aspire to uh, become more and more out of reach because your actual demands or needs change. Mm -hmm. and I've always been a Porsche fan, but um, but I, I, I realized that, you know, as kid number one and kid number two and kid number three and kid number four come, and each time you move houses and countries and cities, uh, all of these other expenses just pop up. So I wrote that one a while ago. Um, the eBooks that are out there on, on Amazon. So if you're a Kindle user or not, you can, uh, you can access those eBooks. And I, I'd say uh, I've been trying to, to, to work on the next release. Um, and that's, that's right now that's manifesting in a keynote talk. And I'm trying to flesh that out into something with a bit more substance uh, that could captivate a reader for a, a certain period of time. And what's the topic of that one that you're working on? If I can, uh, so that that one's uh, focused on on uh, purpose, profit, and data. So looking at uh, the decision that companies are often faced with between whether they need to be purpose-led or look at profitability. And my argument is that it's not about a choice. It's more about um, finding a balance and when to prioritize the one or the other and how to leverage certain assets and resources that you have. And my uh, focus there is around how data can help you to understand, you know, where those investments should be, where those divestments should be, uh, what the real purpose, uh, purpose focus area should be based on the particular challenges that are impacting your community or the particular challenges that are impacting your industry sector and how as an individual you sort of journey through life and become a bit more focused on the, the most important things that impact, you know, both flora and fauna, us and other creatures on the planet. Um, so there's a bit of futurist aspects, there's a bit of reflection, there's a bit of uh, the technical domains around data and data science and cause, uh, causation and, and so on. Uh, so, yeah. Looking forward to getting 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 that a bit more, let's say, meat on the bones and, and getting it mm. out there. Nice. Well, and, and you mentioned uh, before we started that you've looked at the simplicity scan um, that I'm sharing with the world in the hopes that, that people can simplify their thinking and, yeah. and accelerate. And, and of course, the top left there is about purpose. And I agree with yeah. you that purpose isn't a it's not an, an or, you know, you can do well and do good. Um, and if you have the data and the, and the analytics and, and also the discipline, I think, to make those decisions. And it's, I, was, I was really in a fascinating discussion with a client the other day who, of course, Corona is very difficult and, and they want to still invest in sustainability. And it was, it was a, a really meaningful conversation around the table of, well, can we afford this? And then, yeah. and then the other question is like, well, okay, can we afford not to? You know, you know, you know, because <laughs> now, now our values are really being tested. Meaning, sure, if if all of this stuff that we said we're going to do, you know, for the benefit of mankind, or really based on our purpose, if we just throw all that away when the times are hard, then then mm. what's it really all about, and what does that say to our people? So, exactly. um, so who's who's the audience? Meaning, when you're speaking and sharing, um, who's your persona? Who's your audience that you're really? Yeah championing in your, so, in your so, thinking so i'd say right now and and just just quickly uh, you know to comment on what you said around purpose um the way i see it is that you know purpose serves as a as a compass call it a model mm -hmm. compass if you need to but it serves as a corporate compass and the idea is that it's not just about about championing change it's about uh using that to drive the culture of the organization and to be the basis of anything that uh, involves a, a, a big decision, 
right? Mm -hmm. So should we be hiring people? Should we be firing people? What are the critical roles? All of those aspects. Yeah. Uh, so I think it, it definitely can be defined as a, as a compass. Who's the audience? So I'd say right now, uh, there've been a, uh, just a handful of iterations where I've delivered that specific talk. Uh, obviously, I've been shaping the, the the context and trying to find examples that I've seen or examples that I've researched that would make sense to include. Um, the first audience was a domain-specific group of technologists, right? So um, predominantly techies and, and project managers in the SAP ecosystem. The second audience is or was a, uh, a a group of CIOs and IT governance professionals. Um, the third audience that we'll get a glimpse of it is a group of uh, chartered accountants and CFOs within a particular body or membership. And then I've been testing how certain concepts land with people on ad hoc occasions. So just uh, throwing a nugget out there and seeing how that how that sits. Um, so definitely, it's, let's call it the C-suite of, of people. But at the same time, what I'm trying to do is understand what are the priorities. When you talk about profit and profitability, what are the priorities for the finance leaders of the world? Mm -hmm. um, they're looking at things like um, keeping their businesses going concern. At the same time, they're looking at planning or looking forward and um, and what the strategy should look like. So uh, this will probably be backed up very soon by some research into that space to look at what the priorities of those CFOs uh, and, and um, you know, business leaders looks like at the moment. Nice. If you're, if you um, earlier in the history of the podcast, um, which is still just this year, I, I interviewed, um, well, what I was doing is I was seeking case studies of companies that have really pivoted and succeeded early in the Corona period. And, there's a company called Granadilla Swim out of um, okay. Cape Town. And they had, right when things really kicked off, they pivoted and they, they created Granadilla Eats, which is a um, fresh produce delivery company because they, they mm. had all these assets in place and they realized that swimwear wasn't going to be a thing, at least at okay. the time, winter coming. When, you know, literally winter was coming. Um, and they created really a completely new business line within three weeks. And it was really purpose-driven yeah. and, and highly innovative. So... Um, take a look at that. And if you're interested in being introduced, I'd, I'd be delighted to. Great, great, great. Sure. I'd, I'd love to. Yeah. I love the the uh, story around successful pivots. There was one that I looked into in the UK called Mustard Foods. And um, they were delivering to restaurants at the time prior to the lockdown in the UK. Uh, they had something like 30 tons of food that they would be processing and, and getting mm -hmm. out there. And then it just stopped. Um, yep. And they found a way to start supplying the NHS uh, National Health Service doctors on the front line and actually ended up building a growing alternate market uh, of demand in the uh, public sector. Um, and obviously now with the restrictions having changed, they've got the other business that has picked up as well. So quite a nice successful uh, bounce back or rebound story there too. Yeah, it's incredible. Also the, the board of innovation, because you've probably seen some of that float around from the open EXO chat groups. <clears throat> they have a, um, a, uh, Google Doc that has a lot of these Corona survival stories and pivot stories. Okay. So if I can find that, I can share that with you, put it on there. Sure. Sounds good. Um, I'm curious, how do you bring the Purpose Alliance and OpenEXO, and, and OpenEXO for those that, that if this is the first time you've heard it, is, is really um, exponential organizations. So 
organizations mm. taking taking advantage of their massive transformative purpose and multiple what we call exponential attributes in order to uh, you know perform ten times or greater the, the you know than than their peers. So how do yeah. you bring um, OpenEXO and Purpose Alliance thinking into your work? Okay, so they they two different dimensions uh, for that. So with the large enterprises that I engage with, al although I'm, I'm a big advocate for the EXL framework, my view is that for um, large organizations, there's a lot of inertia when it comes to attempting innovation or, or alternate thinking. And um, you, you can't come with a big bang approach, right? So you'd have to focus on one of those 11 attributes first. If companies lacking defined purpose uh, or aligned purpose, then you want to focus on understanding what that is. Um, or it could be that they're looking at gamification or they're looking at introducing mm -hmm. dashboards and so on. And obviously, SAP is a tech firm. They've got lots of tools to support automation and, and those types of things. Um, where I find it, it helps in terms of diversity of discussion is outside of SAP, I offer coaching to startups that are looking to scale. And that is leveraging both the frameworks from OpenEXO or elsewhere, as well as the experience that I've had in actually helping you know, companies grow fourfold year on year or, or double digit growth year on year um, across multiple countries. So uh, there's the growth coaching that I do and that a lot of focus right now is on building brand strength through community and, uh, and, and, and through getting brand ambassadors and, and that type of thing, especially in such a troubling time we want people to resonate with a brand that's relevant, right? With a with a with a product or service that's relevant as well. Um, but yeah, outside of, of SAP, I'm involved with startups in different capacities. So it's either as a coach in that scale-up context. Um, I serve as a as a non-executive director and a chairman for you know companies that are in different spaces, like in a hardware space or in a small business support service space and so on. Um, so yeah, there, there are different ways to 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 introduce it. And generally, I find that the appetite for learning, for experimentation, is there for mm -hmm. smaller companies, right? The time to actually do it is not. <laughs> so quite often, you have people heads down, focused, trying to just churn, churn, churn. And, um, and you try and pause and ask them to consider something else, to consider something that is complementary, that can run in parallel. It's not always easy or practical for them to adopt some of those issues. So uh, that kind of inertia exists with both large and small companies, but they're slightly different. You know, one is bound by resources, the other one's bound by predefined strategy or go to market. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious because I thought the, um, the larger organizations that maybe, you know, with a larger headcount or resource pool, they do have the time, but for some reason they don't have the mind space, maybe, maybe exactly. the, the, the openness. And um, so for, for the larger organizations out there that are, that are looking to experiment or innovate more, how would you advise the executives there to make that balance between ongoing, you know, customer yeah. operations and, and, and then, you know, future edge initiatives? How, how do you, you know, I think this comes back to your, your keynote that you're building, which is, you know, purpose, yeah. purpose, profit, and data. And how, how would you sort of find the balance, have, have that balance or that harmony? So, so as with any new project, uh, getting executive sponsorship is critical. 
right? Otherwise, it's not going to survive. It's not going to get investment. Um, it may even be shunned and put in a corner. So the first thing is that you have to have someone that puts the neck on the line and says, I'll back this. And that person has to have the right level of accountability and influence within the organization mm -hmm. and budget, or they at least need to be able to get the budget, right? Um, now, one person's innovation is another person's blah. You know, it could just be, well, we've done that already. Or even across industry yeah. sectors. Oh, we're doing this cool thing. Yeah, we did that five years ago. Um, so, so understanding the context is also important because you may have somebody that comes into an organization and thinks they knew and they think something is highly innovative, but actually it's not, or it's the other way around. So actually understanding the stakeholders and what their starting point is, is, is also important. Then it's always good to, to kind of figure out from an outside-in perspective, what the maturity curve could look like, especially now a lot of people are looking at automation and future of work, and they're talking about um, you, uh, machines replacing jobs, right? So looking at what the automation maturity curve looks like from simple rules that can be automated through to uh, robots performing partial functions, okay? Um, and then to plot them somewhere and, and figure out how to get to the next step and how to define the alternate work streams and, and so on, so that you don't mm -hmm. scare people at the same time. But then what, what I found really useful is I've actually uh, supported as a mentor during sci-fi thinking uh, engagements. And the idea with sci-fi thinking engagements is that you get people to look at their industry. They're so stuck in a bubble, but you get them to you know, sort of think ahead 20 years and say, what could this industry look like? What could this role look like? What could the service that we offer look like? And they come up with all these wild thoughts, but occasionally you need to inject some craziness into it and, and remove the boundaries and say, what if you took that away and what if you did this? But what you still find is that when people get to that, that future vision and they start backcasting to say, well, from that point, if I went, you know, what would I need to have within 19 years for that to work, within 18 years, 15 years, 10 years, five years, you tend to find that what they thought about wasn't as ambitious, okay? And that actually you can achieve it within two years. So what I like to do is I like to get people together in a room and say, look, there are no restrictions here. And, and this is the, the sponsor plus anybody else. No restrictions. Let's just have a brainstorm and say, this is what could, what the future could look like. Get it out there. Anything, anything, anything. Once you've done that and you've closed it off, the next step is, okay, what do we want to do? Right? And actually try to define the scope. And the scope can be within a five-year horizon. The scope can be, it's important, we don't know when, but we know that we need to figure out when that will be. And then you start to have these strategic projects that will be lined up and you know relevant teams will be associated. And you start to see where the synergies are to put them into categories as well. So that's, that's the best option that I found that works to, to get people to get rid of the box that they're stuck in and then to build a box uh, or to build a lane that gets mm. them to some uh, future version. And, and actually, if you think about it, within a year, two years, if they've got that mindset, they may be uh, much more progressed than they thought they would have. And you probably have to go through a similar exercise again. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I think it's, it's probably not a, a one-time thing and then they're, they're good to go. I love the sci-fi thinking and the backcasting and then creating a, you know, making some decisions and, and then pave a path for them to at least yeah. start walking down. Exactly. And, and imagine through the, the starting to walk, the, the, the emotional confidence increases. So yes. it's... Um, and um, relate, related to some of this path is, is with the Purpose Alliance group, they have the thing called the Purpose Launchpad. 
and yep. you have been involved in global challenges and and um I explained what the uh, EXO was about. So maybe you can explain what global challenges are and talk about the upcoming sure. um, global challenge, the future of education. And I'm curious what yeah, your sure. expectations are from that. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the Purpose Alliance and the, the Purpose Launchpad were both founded by one of the um, contributors of the Exponential Transformation uh, book, um, and were and also former CEO of OpenEXO. Uh, so there's a close alliance between the communities, but essentially what Purpose Launch, what Purpose Alliance was intended to do was to create social impact momentum. And this was done through a number of challenges. And what they, uh, the team quickly realized is that a lot of people are keen to contribute, whether they be mentors, teams, individuals just participating, uh, judges, sponsors as well. So a number of challenges have come up, including future of work and, and, and one, or, one or two others. The, the future of work in South Africa I was part of as well. That was really rewarding. And, and some of the teams have actually gone into build ventures to try and help influence mm. what the future of work could look like. Um, the future of education event coming up shortly. I think it's the uh, it's in November. I think it's the 7th of November. But um, the, first, the first event focused on that is trying to challenge the current constructs of education. And uh, I see it as being primary school education, high school education. I actually would take it beyond that and look at university education. I quite often have discussions around the future of higher education um, and would aim to tackle the, the current constraints that we operate in. I, I feel like the education sector right now is largely focused on schools, curricula, and teaching. And, it, and there's a lot less focus than we need right now on the student and learning, right? And if you shift the dimension to learning, you're going to sending some school to learn, not to make progress through a curriculum, right? There's a, there's a vast difference. And um, what I'd love to see come out of that is a lot of focus around shifting mindset, a lot of focus around, you know, private injection into public uh, process, a lot of injection or consideration around free schools that allow people to start um, doing things that potentially at their own time, as we would have experienced through lockdowns, but also to give them skills that will equip them for the future, give younger people skills that we think would equip them for the future, but at the same time, allow the youth to help us to shape the future of education, because no doubt they are probably more clued up in terms of certain aspects on what's happening right now and what the current challenges are mm -hmm. than we are. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. And, and for those that would like to join, typically it involves like the week before there's lots of free keynotes of amazing people talking about the topic. And, and then that sort of brings the community together. You'll be assigned to a team in this. And I think you could even come with a team and, they're bringing startups into it as well this time. You have mentors yeah. assigned to you. Like myself, I've been a mentor a number of times on these challenges. And, and typically, I think it's like three hours on a Saturday that you come together and you have a very structured process to ideate and come out with the concept and make a, a short video. And it's so amazing, so amazing how a diverse group of people in a compressed amount of time can really make impactful magic. It's, it's unbelievable. And as you shared, some of these ideas actually continue to become, you know, actual ventures. 
So if someone would like to join, the deadline to apply is the 25th of October, and you can go to purposealliance.org and sign up as a, as a mentor or as a, a team or as a, a participant. And I hope, I hope you do. I'm really looking forward to it. And I will do my best to make sure this podcast is published before the 25th of October. <laughs> so that's the, uh, sure. the, challenge, the challenge for me. And um, you're also doing some, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, Francisco and the team have really um, approached this in such a giving um, giving way um, that, that, you know, the space is being created for, for people to interact and, and innovate. It's, it's just so much fun and it's so very meaningful. So if you're listening, go to purposealliance.org and sign up for the challenge because, you know, it's a great education and it's three hours out of your time and you will be impacted as a person. So, uh, Mervyn, you're also doing things around education closer to home. Maybe sure. maybe take a few. Um, and and I'm, I'm just, okay, we've spoken for maybe 30 minutes and there's like 50 topics of things you've been <laughs> involved in. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> incredible. So uh, so t- what are you doing with, with education closer to home? That was a nice story as well. Yeah. Okay, so so uh, apart from trying to help shape the vision of future of higher education, uh, which is quite a challenge in its own right, uh, what I'm trying to do, if, South Africa is one of the countries that has high unemployment rates, right? At the same time, I feel like uh, what we're doing in the higher education space and in the high school space is that we are still trying to get people to focus on passing exams, right? Mm-hmm. And we're nudging everybody into the post-school study mindset. I'm not saying there's an issue with that. I think there's a place for multi-year degrees and, and the type of um, analytical thinking that it offers and also the diligence that you get with having to go through that. But what we're lacking is a, a real readiness for the corporate world, a real readiness for building startups and for implementing change. So one of the things I'm, I'm busy crafting right now is the Future of Work Academy. Um, I've got some, let's say, internal sponsorship uh, and backing uh, with NSAP. Right now, I'm busy uh, chatting to potential um, uh, advisory board members to help shape it. But the idea is that it would be a multi-week academy that is uh, trying to bring skills that we think are important to the youth that will help them to make a, a positive influence or change on the world so that we can continue to live here. Right. Mm. So that means that we're covering things like... Um, uh, appreciation of sustainability, what that means, what are the, the SDGs trying to attempt to achieve, you know, why are we trying to tackle climate change and, and um, other aspects around, um, you know, the circular economy and why that's important. So the, the one is around sustainability. Then there's a piece around uh, exponential thinking, right? There's a piece around the methodologies that people use to tackle real world challenges. Maybe it's the design thinking meets EXO framework. Um, then there are other aspects around specific technologies, the technologies. So, for example, uh, take this uh, computer vision solution, right? Not solution, but take computer vision. And here's a problem that we have with uh, gender-based violence. Try to make it work, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the format of this would be a multi-week engagement. You know, each week people check in um, and they get given a real-world challenge. Apart from that, they get some guidance from experts or practitioners in each of the relevant domains to learn a bit more about that particular area. And by the end of the week, they're pitching, uh, they're showcasing what they thought would be a viable solution to that challenge. So what I'd like people to do is to walk away having an appreciation of these different concepts and these different mindsets that people have spent so many countless hours 
to craft and to research and to and to bring to life and um, to allow them to get a glimpse into this world so that the next time they when they walk away the next time they look at a particular issue they'll number one identify that there's actually an issue number two they'll start to figure try to understand what's causing the issue and number three to to start to look at how to solve the issue mm. uh, and i think that generally will build a, not just mindset but a general broader culture of transformation in whatever you define that to be right yeah um, and that will help people to uh, stand on their own feet and create businesses off the back of it to create projects that can help from a social impact perspective and just be a bit more aware or astute or have the right acumen to to walk into any role and 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 bring a slightly broader perspective to what they're doing or to what the mm. the brand that they're associating themselves with is trying to do i love it and incredibly meaningful um a n- number of thoughts well, well one when you're building the curriculum if if there's space in there for simplicity thinking then then you know consider the scan because i've made that open of source course. for this uh topic and it also sounds somewhat similar, but but on one hand more more practical. I mean, it's really case based, I think, and um, also very broad as as the internship from Boston EXO from Eric mm. Patel. Yeah. Um, I have interviewed a young gentleman named Max Zhang, and I'll include on the show notes the link to there as well. And he was he's uh, a university student had gone through that in, that internship, and I, when I was hearing your story, I I, I just imagined a, a whole cohorts of Max Zhang's coming out of there, having learned yeah. truly life-changing lessons. And I was, when I was listening to Max, I was just so jealous. I was like, you know, <laughs> I did not have access to this kind no. of thinking, exactly. care and support when I was a kid. I was exactly. doing completely different yeah, things exactly. with my summer. So it's, I, I, um, yeah. I applaud you and I, and I, and I offer my support um, if I can help. So um, yeah, I mean that, that's a great reminder. Actually, I need to touch base with uh, with him because I remember when the Boston EXO internship was being launched at the time, and uh, I know they're doing great things over there. So I actually need to touch base and just uh, uh, get some tips on on what worked and what uh, what can be improved for this for this iteration that I'm looking to do. Great, uh, I, I, yeah, I suggest it because that's all part of the community and and um, you know sharing who's doing who's doing what. Um, and there's so much um, amazing things going on. And, and, and um, I'll send you the link to Max's uh, episode as well, because he was just a Perfect, really, yeah. you know, Thank you. inspirational young man. So, so we, we're wrapping up, uh, Mervyn. Um, for people who would like to stay in touch you know, with the, the future of, of education and, and his initiative, you can find him on LinkedIn. That's the best way. I'm, I'm sure we'll hear all about that, um, that program as, it, as it's taking shape. And, you know, I can imagine, you know, in my network, people who are listening to this are, are oftentimes startups and, and also CIOs, CEOs, you know, C-suite with a very tech focus. Um, I believe that purpose and profits while using data to drive decision-making is so incredibly relevant. And so I'm super eager to uh, hear more about that. And if people want to experience that, of course, reach out to Mervin on LinkedIn. So Mervin, thank you so much for joining. This has been an absolute delight. Chris, thank you. You're welcome. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Learn more at ebillion.com slash podcast. 